Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In the Clouds with Centegra uh, and AWS. Um, we have a little treat today. We have uh, Ke Kevin Goodman with us, uh, which is a really, really great delight to have to uh, make some discussion today around AWS Workspaces Core. So we're going to get to understand this, get some grasp around it. Uh, but with that, Brian, if you want to, let's start some introductions here as we go around. Yeah. So as a, if this is the first time you're hearing our voices, uh, my name is Brian Sheffley. I run the Partner Solutions Architect Organization for our Cloud Foundational Services Group within the Partner Core Organization at AWS. Uh, but today, um, I come bearing gifts. Um, you know, previously we have talked about a lot of the core and foundational AWS services. We've talked about migration. We've talked about storage. A lot of data center focused kind of stuff, uh, but we are we are bringing things uh, front and center. Uh, we are going into end user computing, and to that end, we are joined today by Kevin Goodman. Uh, Kevin is a director in our uh, product management group here at AWS, and he runs uh, he runs workspaces in Munir Mirza's group. So uh, this is a this is a, a really exciting treat for us. I know Kevin has a lot to share about workspaces and workspaces core. Um, so I'll let Kevin introduce himself. Hey, I'm Kevin Goodman, and I work on the team at EUC for workspaces and AppStream. I'm just a teammate on there. Thank you for the uh, the fancy introduction, but yeah, uh, workspaces core is something that is brand new. We just announced it recently and uh, John and I wanna dig in for you and dive deep on it. Okay, so I'm gonna share my screen real quick here, everybody. For those of you that are viewing, for those of you who are listening, well, eventually you can go view it and you'll see everything here. Um, so as Kevin said, if everybody can see my screen, okay. Um, AWS announced on September 29th, Amazon Workspaces Core. Um, the press release is here in the link. I'll make sure that we get the link as well in the description of the podcast later on. But um, with that said, Kevin, give us some background. You know, what, what is Workspaces Core? How, what is this and how does it differ from Workspaces and AppStream? Sure. So as you know, we get our ideas from our customers of, of what they want. And what our customers have told us is they, they love workspaces, but they have users who are still on-prem. Some of our customers told us they have plans to migrate to the cloud some over five years. We had one customer tell us over 20 years. So that means you need a hybrid solution. So we came up with Workspaces Core to implement this. Customers who want a hybrid solution really want their users to use the same client. They want their administrators to use the same administrative console between on-prem and on Workspaces. And Workspaces Core in its essence is a set of APIs that enable uh, Workspaces Core partners such as VMware to enable products such as their Horizon 8, which is already the very popular on-prem to run on top of workspaces. Now that's different from buying your own instances from EC2. And if you have 
expertise in that area. Customers have been doing that for years, but mm -hmm. Workspaces is a managed solution so that if you don't have that expertise on AWS, you get the opportunity to take advantage of AWS, keep your same clients and your same console. So that answered one of your questions. Yeah. I think there's a couple other of them in there. Yeah. So it's it's providing a, a workspace for the users and, and for example, VMware, because we do know that VMware made some announcements in, in Explore, uh, their recent event, um, that they're working with you guys on this concept here. But it, it's it's allowing them to extend into AWS for compute, correct? Yeah, so the, the APIs allow um, to use the same curated list of instances that we have for workspaces, but they've been purpose-built so they don't have our um, protocols attached to them. They don't have uh, you know, our gateway agents inside them. And these APIs allow vendors like VMware to go plug in their own. As a matter of fact, the uh, the API I, it says BYOP, bring your own mm -hmm. protocol. So this API allows them to bring their own protocol. And um, you know what we see in the evaluations is customers, users were on-prem earlier in the day, on Workspace's core in the afternoon. And, and users don't know where their VM resides and, and administrators and customers like it that way. But now they have all the benefits of Amazon Workspaces at their, at their disposal. So the, the difference then between Workspaces itself, core is more of providing that accessibility from a third party and or AWS Workspaces, but it, it's, it's built on that foundational pre-cookie cutter VM is that am I yeah, saying that yeah, right? Yeah, it's a good way to describe it. It's a it, it is a, what we say purpose built, but mm -hmm. yes, exactly. So reach out and core APIs allow you to get to these instances. Those instances, by the way, since they don't have some of our um, protocols embedded in them, we can sell at a less expensive price. So you get a price discount by um, and and you could just go like I said, straight to EC2 if you wanted to and, and find some instances. And we have customers doing that. We have customers doing that very successfully, have been mm -hmm. for years. But now if you go to our Workspace's core instances, you have the full power of the EUC ops team managing those for you. A key point, John, is we work closely with the Workspace's core partners because where we we really exceed is on our support. And if you are a Workspace's core partner, we've tied our support groups together. Because they're core and you, you instantiated them with core APIs, our support team knows that it's a Workspace's core instance. And we have been and always will be have security as a top priority. And you could imagine a situation where maybe you're doing it yourself on EC2 and you're doing it successfully, but for some reason you have a, a call into support that says, hey, I can't connect my VDI. Mm -hmm. Our support team, excellent as they are, they're not allowed to delve into that VM. That's, that's PII right there. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of, you know, have their hands tied. Um, can you help us 
with the um, the vendor, have your vendor open up uh, and you end up with like a two support ticket system when you do it that way. Whereas mm -hmm. it's a one support ticket system once you're a fully implemented core partner. And we, we think that's the best part about a managed service. No, no, that's, I mean, that that is phenomenal, especially being able to work in that flow. I know we've done a lot on this Integra side with our managed services that we provide to be able to integrate as, as closely as possible to provide that one voice to the customer. Everybody hates the term, but it is what it is. One throat to choke on it. Yeah. Um, it yeah. To give that that to the customer. So they really enjoy that capability to have the one avenue versus going to three or four different partners and coordinating them together. And and, 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 and every one of those in, that, in the scenario you just described may have customer obsession first, but it ends up with the meantime, the resolution just takes longer. And yeah. we are hoping to do whatever we could to shorten that meantime to resolution. Sure. Now with, with Workspaces Core, um, I just know from a lot of public cloud services that are out there, as far as rollouts are concerned, is this offered throughout all regions at this time? So all commercial regions that uh, Amazon Workspaces support, because it, it really is Workspaces, it's Workspaces. Yeah. We did just open up the CPT region in South Africa and as a commercial region. And, you know, there are steps to go through to get certified and we're not in CPT yet. So mm -hmm. we're in the dozen other regions that are commercial regions for Workspaces. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, it's, it's pretty much leveraging the the backbone of workspaces. So that's that's what I imagine. But I know, like I said, I want to make sure that that's clear to the listeners so that they're aware, yeah, this is something that's supported across the board from a commercial solution. Absolutely. And that is, and that you you mentioned Sean Bass and we got Sean mm -hmm. up on stage with us for EUC Innovation um, ID because one of the things we noticed as we were doing the beta is the customers all said, um, is this supported on both sides? <laughs> and we wanted to make that clear, that answer that, that and we call it uh, Horizon 8 on workspaces. You gotcha. Know, core gotcha. is the API you call so your product can support, it can run on top of workspaces. And then again, because it's running off of that workspaces backbone, it, it meets those same SLAs as far as services are concerned, correct? Yeah. And so you'll, 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 you'll see that if, and if you caught me off guard here, I don't know <laughs> if VMware Horizon 8 has an SLA on the cloud, but if they do, yeah. um, and, and if the core partner meets all the requirements, the ones for support that I talked about, and, and all of the other items that are in that checklist, then yes, you get the same um, workspaces SLA. Gotcha. And then um, what does it take for uh, a partner to become involved with the workspace core side of the house? So it, it's interesting. We, we were wondering, you know, do we need to um, uh, make this a brand and um, spend a lot of time promoting this brand? And we came up with the answer of, no, not really, because we already know who all the BDI partners are. Mm -hmm. And either, you know, they, they, they know how to find me because I've probably worked with them in the past with some of the other companies I was in. And so, you know, they'll, 
there is a, uh, and we can put it in the, um, uh, we can put it in the chat later. There's uh, how to get started with Workspaces Core is in um, a blog, and we'll we'll try to find that blog for you. Okay. Or we have it teed up. I don't know. Um, I don't believe I have that one. This one is just uh, getting started with Workspaces Core, uh, it, but not it, the partner side. It may have a uh, opportunity for you to raise your hand in there. We should do some work, Brian, to make sure the listener knows exactly where to go. Now, that's partners, right? Workspaces mm -hmm. Core is a bring your own protocol. And so if you're a VDI partner who wants to join that's you end up getting in touch with someone on my team. The next question, and it may be in there on our list, if so, now's the appropriate time to ask it is, what if a customer wants to become a partner? Can they? And we know of customers who are very forward thinking and you know they're on the leading edge and they can go through the same ability to support Kali APIs, if you have specialized gateway needs or you're using a specialized protocol, you're more than welcome to join the party. So that, based upon that, that would allow the customer to then become their own multi-tenant provider of core? Is that, is that what you're saying there? I'm, I'm, I'm saying the uh, it's wide open, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I'd love to hear somebody invent and simplify something. And, and make their users experience even greater than it is today. Yeah, and that, that goes to some points Brian and I spoke about in previous podcasts about allowing for monetization within an organization so that you can control that IT budget. So it definitely sounds interesting to be able to allow the customer to become the partner, that, that IT department and deliver the services down to their different organizational units to get that bill back and to be able to control the economics of a VDI solution for their users. So uh, um, at Innovation Day, uh, Harry Labana, who couldn't make it in person, yeah. joined us virtually and was discussing just some of those exact ideas. They don't want to be limited um, by anyone. And if a you know if a partner um, meets their requirements, uh, awesome. But if not, they can augment it with those APIs that we have in Workspaces. So if you're using Workspaces core APIs, you also have the Workspaces APIs available to you. And just to point out, Harry's uh, little interview is on that, that core page as well. So that'll be in the description for the link. So you can check that out also. Um, so, I mean, we really got down to covering the differences of it. So it's really allowing for the core side of the house is allowing for a customer, a, a, an IT user organization to be able to bring their VDI solution into core. And then, like we said, kind of cookie cuttered those workspaces instances without the binding. Um, so it's kind of like uh, if we talk about cell phones, it's an unlocked cell phone. Um, so we're not having all the uh, AWS pieces in it. It's clean and fresh and they can build from there. Yeah, it's uh... I don't know what a jailbroken cell phones how I describe it. But <laughs> well, not jailbroken. But we're, so we're all about customer choice. That's mm -hmm. what we want. We want the customers to have choice. And if they're on-prem and they they want to stay hybrid, we want to be able to accommodate them. And uh, we we feel like this collaboration that we have with 
um, beamware will en enable those customers to have a more delightful experience and, and nothing thrills me more than hearing that. Mm. Now, from using the workspaces side of the house, are, are we looking at the ability to be able to use AppStream as well? So we don't really comment on um, roadmap items, not in a public forum like that, mm -hmm. but you're, our customers know how to get in touch with us to get roadmap. And, um, but it's up to the partner if you think about it, right? If that yeah. partner wants to support and we can also support it on our side, you know, it's up to the partner how they handle those instances. Sure, sure. And so, like you said, a lot of this is about the partner, obviously, how they're they're tying with the APIs of this solution to be able to integrate their solution into it. You know, we're referencing VMware just because they've already publicly said a lot of what they're doing integration wise with you guys, uh, especially with the BLAST protocol, um, which Sean had brought up as well, and that integration wow. to it. So the... Um, from the VDI solutions that are there, we know VMware there is there. We support um, the environments of concern from the users. Is this really a net new service for them? Um, it sounds like it's something that we can expand from an existing EUC solution that they have on-prem today. Yeah, so the, the whole idea is when someone makes a decision to do a cloud migration, they typically don't flash cut. Mm -hmm. I know if I was doing a cloud migration, I might leave executives till the end to make sure I got this thing humming smoothly, or I might go by geos, or I might go by, you know, um, use cases and stuff like that. And this gives them that option, and it should reduce significantly training. You don't want to retrain all those end users if you don't have to. And what I found is customers, business needs change from day to day, week to week, month to month. That group might have been decided that they're going to um, be in this location, but then work from home policy said those users could live anywhere. So now you have a situation where you want to use, say, Horizon 8, but now it's too much of a latency back to your data center. So let's move those people, the ones that are complaining, let's move those up to Horizon 8 on workspaces and really give that IT shop choice to make sure they are pleasing all their customers. Over time, if they decide move more, it's at their pace and their decision. And that's what we like about it. No, that's great. And then again, another shameless plug, if you go back to episode one that Brian and I did um, talking about the migration steps and processes, and, and planning for that, I mean, that definitely fits into this scenario of following the, that AWS template of how those steps take, taking a look at these services, moving it. And like you brought up, Kevin, you know, the, the use cases, you know, can be a factor with it. Um, <clears throat> another thing I find with the EUC is uh, the application data. Um, you know, where is that application data residing? You know, what is the migration of the back end? How am I leveling that off between AWS and between my on-prem environment, that could be a deciding factor on what users you move over and don't move over. And all that knowledge is just gold right there, John. That's why we like Zentegra. 
as a joint AWS VMware partner with experience on both sides to be able to you know, consult and educate that, that, that customer. They're, they're looking to folks such as yourself to say, I've, I've not been on this journey before, help. And, mm-hmm. and there you are. And that's why, and that's why we're really have, glad to have you as a, a partner. Well, thank you, Kevin. Um, so when we're talking about the instances of what users are pulling over into core, these are already prefabbed instances. It can, can a user bring over their own, bring their own image over, or is it build out in that prefab and then do their applications from there? So the one important thing to note is this is the BYOL. So bring your own um, OS license. Okay. At that point, when you bring your own OS license, it is up to the front end, the core partner, the VDI partner, to determine how they're going to get that combined with what we need from the workspaces side to what you need from your protocol and gateway side mm-hmm. to get that instance built. There is a way right now to start from scratch and take an EC2 instance and apply and go through all those steps. But we believe partners um, over time will invent and simplify um, ways to make that much faster. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's great because what what you're, what I'm, I'm, what I'm getting is, is basically there's, there's the defaults, you know, if you're doing this net new that we can build this out and Amazon is, AWS is giving us the capability for a default or eventually with those partners with their, their usage of the APIs, there will be instances and options through their own platform solution. Yeah, there is. And, and so the reason I'm so confident about this is I've been throwing that term partner around. But it, this is what we're talking about. If you're in the Amazon partner network, we have this APN that, you know, yep. uh, VMware is a, uh, you know, a proud member of this uh, APN. And that's why this collaboration with VMware is working so well. And, you know, there may be others who decide they want to go down this road. And if they're not an APN partner, that will be their first step. And, um, you know, we'll move forward from there. Um, but I have confidence in them knowing because they were an APN partner and they did their functional technical references and other things like that, they have the chops to be able to pull this off. Mm-hmm. Of course, VMware has been with us for, for years. Years, yeah. Years. Yeah. And shameless plug in, uh, Zentegra is an APN, so we're part of the network as well. So these are services that we'll be able to bring to our, our customers. And it's funny because we use the word partner at Zentegra everybody's our partner, including our customers. We, we treat everybody the same as far as, you know, building that community out. So, you know, when we, we broach the term partner, we really mean, you know, having a symbiotic relationship of who we're working with, whether it's a customer or a solution provider, such as AWS, everybody's within that community because we're all trying to achieve one goal. And that's to deliver these services that we can to our end users. Yeah, I uh, I have a saying, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> and that's why they, um, you know, they have trusted advisors. Customers have trusted advisors uh, like Zentegra. Um, if nothing more to then say, yeah, this is a valid idea. And I imagine you're not going to tell me when or what, but imagine you advise customers in the past about other solutions, maybe from other vendors, in which you said, nah, not fully baked yet, hold off on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and yeah, that's that's true. 
You know, uh, John, I, I think you and Kevin really hit the nail on the head as you talk about customer choice and the value of a partner, right? Mm-hmm. Customers are choosing AWS because of the breadth and the depth of the services that we offer. And as customers get to learn more about AWS, they start to love it more because of the visibility and the direct line of sight that they are, that they can have into what's going on inside of their IT environment. Um, and that's why there's so much interest and enthusiasm in my group around what we're doing with observability and management right now. And so for a lot of customers are looking at future state, two, three, four, five plus years down the road of beginning to internalize this idea of what will a truly cloud native solution be able to do for my business? What are the things that I can kind of, to borrow a phrase here, continue to raise the bar on what I consider to be undifferentiated heavy lifting, shift Mm -hmm. that to AWS and allow me to focus on the things that are bringing value to my customers. Yeah. Um, but as we talked about in the migration podcast, this is not a toggle switch, right? This is a dimmer switch. And customers you know, don't have the luxury of being able to shut down normal business operations for six months, whatever it is, um, while they migrate things. So that what's, what's really appealing, especially in end user compute, is the level of choice. Right. And depending on the use case, there's so many things that you can do. Uh, I spent a little over three years in our public sector partners organization. And I know there were a lot of customers that we had in in K-12 and in higher education that found AppStream to be enormously appealing, um, especially as supply chain shortages uh, were an issue over the, or continue to be an issue, but really started over the past few years or, or even supply chain constraints with all the popularity of of GPUs among uh, crypto coin miners, uh, it became less cost effective and and more difficult to go through uh, annual or or every three year refreshes of large tower PCs to do SolidWorks or other types of CAD applications, video editing, and customers found it very appealing to move those types of workloads into AWS, both from an ease of management perspective uh, um, and also just an infrastructure availability perspective. So with uh, with partners such as yourselves and others, we're building these kind of classroom or computer lab as a service applications on AppStream to bring these really resource intensive applications to low cost end user computing devices like Chromebooks and, and other things. Of course, of course, there's a, you know, um, on the other side of end user compute, there's there's Amazon Workspaces itself, right? Been around for a number of years. And this is that secure, reliable um, virtual desktop from any location. And this is a managed desktop instance, Windows or Linux, that customers can, can pick what applications go on that, um, pick some custom images and choose to either pay a fixed fee per user or pay per hour, depending on what the usage patterns are. Then we had Amazon Workspaces Web which is this fully managed secure browser access to internal websites and and software as a service applications. So continuing to add this amount of choice. And now, because we know that we've had so many customers tell us, I see the value of AWS. I'm bringing other enterprise workloads into AWS. I'm taking advantage of, of, of all the ancillary benefits that come with that, but I don't have the luxury of completely changing how I'm delivering my VDI infrastructure today. That's why things like like Amazon Workspaces Core are so exciting. 
So, so that kind of covers like the level of choice just within the end user computing realm uh, that, that customers have. But then some customers may be thinking, okay, well, what's right for me? And there is no one size fits all approach. Mm -hmm. And and how am I going to, how am I going to bring these technologies into my business and realize their benefits? And that's the value of the partnership, right? That's the value of Zentegra having been out there, having seen this and being able to guide customers towards for this class of users or for this workload or, or, you know, even for this geography, here's what's more appropriate for you and, and let me help you get started. So we've got the partnership aspect and the AWS aspect coming together to say, we've got so many choices that can line up to so many different use cases for customers, but to help customers make sense of all those options and to bring those together into a working solution, that's where folks like yourselves, it's so critical. Yeah, and it's it's funny because like when when we first spoke about the workspaces core and and how everything was breaking down with it, you know, allowing those APIs to now be out there for these other integration solutions to come in and play. You know, myself, I've always taken the approach of being as agnostic as possible for my customers. You know, we from a Zentegra approach, we know the ecosystem, we know. Um, the environment as far as EUC, the digital workspace is concerned. So it helps those customers plug in the pieces that work best for them. And now what AWS has offered with Core is that ability to be able to leverage that. And then to your point, Kevin, if they're not in there, that's where the customers and partners like myself come to those providers and say, look, you've got to get in there. Um, that's a different approach than what we've seen from a lot of public cloud providers out there where it's a one and done solution. You guys have, have opened an environment to allow anybody to bring what they need to bring to the table to be successful. You know, customers tell us time and time again, they want to run their desktop workloads where their server and app workloads are. And you know those customers have been running those server and app workloads in AWS for quite some time. And this enables them to do that. And I like your comment about a dimmer switch, Brian. You know, I want to turn off the lights on that on-premises data center because it got obsoleted by the new work from home policies. But uh, yeah, I just can't flash cut it. It's going to take forever. I, you know, 5% a year would take 20 years Think about that. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> you know, it's just going to keep happening that way. And, um, you know, now the customer, like we say, they have the choice. And, and that's what we like about it. So <clears throat> we're talking from a VDI solution. Um, you know, by default, we have what's offered there from the workspace side for Workspace Core. Uh, with solutions that integrate with it, they'll have their options and and how things are handled within the environment from there. Uh, but from, from a Workspace's core standpoint, you know, we can bring our own licenses, we can bring our applications obviously into these images. Uh, what about like third-party integrations, like uh, specifically like around persona management? Are those integrations there available? And again, this goes back to something Brian and I talked about on the FSX solution when we're talking about integrating personas, for an example, FS Logics, just bringing that up as an example. But the, does that type of integration uh, allowed within this spot? Uh, you know, is that some, obviously the partner needs to integrate, but 
you have that availability for them, right? Yeah. So, you know, your mileage may vary uh, for our friends overseas. Your kilometrage may vary. I don't <laughs> say that, but um, it all depends on what your license allows you to do. I, um, you know, if your license allows you to use FS Logics and you use an FS Logics on prem, you can continue to use FS Logics in the cloud. That yeah, all of those, um, your um, uh, app layering solutions and things like that because that instance if you 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 what did you uh, bare bones or stripped down or mm -hmm. what did we call that image that that curated purpose-built image can be built essentially from the ground up with the tools that you need in there again it's based on how your partner um you know if it if it's in their realm of possibility or if you're a customer who wants to be an APN partner in this, then you know you you know can do that yourself as well. Okay. We're not going to restrict you for that. Yeah, and I didn't. It's a, it's a think about it. It's a shared responsibility model. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a combination of uh, all the value that we bring from workspaces. But then the vendor has to have a responsibility in this. And if the customer wants to take on some of uh, the workload themselves, then they have a responsibility in this. And we're happy to work in all three scenarios. Yeah, you've set the table. Now it's time for the partners to bring the potluck. So it's, yeah, it works out great. Just making sure that, you know, when, when somebody is listening to this and they're, they're looking at, okay, this is what I have on-prem. This is where I would like to get. And just understanding that we're not talking about new tools and feature sets here. The, the whole idea of this is to leave your familiarity of what you have today and just port it over into a cloud instance to be able to, like you said, or, or Brian pointed out, the dimmer switch and obviously not taking the approach of 5% a year because, you know, by that point, who knows where the world will be. So, you know, an important point to bring up too is, is on-premise different from the cloud. And in on-prem, your VDI vendor sells your software and you manage the infrastructure yourself. Mm -hmm. And you have to size for peak workload. So you size up, let's say you size up for a, a machine that can run um, 50 users. You pay for that hardware upfront. And if it's not fully provisioned, it's 25 users, so what, you already paid for it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work great in the cloud. Customers, one, the reason they go to the cloud is for cost. And the reason they like us is we give them pay as you go and, and the ability to scale. So with no upfront costs for Workspace's core, you can then migrate over and you don't have to do all of that um, provisioning ahead of time. Um, you you get in a situation where you just maybe don't know peak loads. Well, Workspace has been handling that for customers for years, all right? If you wanted to roll your own on our cloud, you'd have to make those decisions upfront by dedicated instances and such and spend a lot of money upfront. Workspace is pay as you go. And, and if your vendor supports it, we give you the... Uh, ability to run monthly, but you could also do hourly. Mm -hmm. um, if, the, if the vendor supports it and your client knows when you've disconnected and you want to hibernate that, um, you want to hibernate that instance, there are APIs to do that. 
and we really like that. The um, uh, the the issue with lift and shift is if you know fifty of those users, if twenty five log off, your cost went way up. And what we encourage you to look at is don't think about it the way you did on prem. Think of cost per user per unit of time. And that's the pieces that you're looking for. And the other thing I don't like, uh, you can always over provision. And, mm -hmm. and what, so another two companies go, one that I sold to VMware, by the way, had a monitoring solution that would monitor what machine you were on when you were having the issues because users would, um, learn that if they were getting poor performance, log off, log back on, and they'd be load balanced to a new server. Yeah. All of that noisy neighbor and all of that stuff, we've been working on that for quite some time now over on the workspaces side. Um, internally, we call them heat issues, right? We've mm -hmm. been working in, internally on that for quite a long time to try to avoid that for the user. We really want that user's experience. And what we really want you to have is a consistent price with no hidden charges, mm -hmm. you know? So um, that uh, frustrates some customers when they, they see that how much they have to um, pay once they've done a lift and shift, oh, I didn't anticipate this cost. I didn't anticipate that cost. I didn't anticipate that I have 10 servers uh, hosting 50 users. And no matter what happens, not all 50 ever log off one machine at a time. So I'm always <laughs> underutilized and except in the very best of use cases, like I've got shift work and I'm fully provisioned 24 seven. It might not be the best use case. And that's that's where Workspaces comes in and that's where Workspaces Core comes in. Sure, and another link I'll include in our description as well. I pulled up the pricing model as of today. Um, like you were showing the breakdown of monthly and hourly pricing for these instances, as far as Workspaces Core is concerned. I mean, I like that 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 ideal there because from a monthly standpoint, if you take that approach, one of the things you can eliminate are boot storms. So you've got your machines up and running. Um, and then if you go at the hourly side of the house, you can have those downtimes and, you know, control your boot storms ahead of time. Uh, and just knowing that you've got the system to be prepped. But there is a breakdown here. If you look at um, the link, it covers all the different type of instances that are there in the hourly pricing as of today and all the other sales stuff, which, yeah, I don't get into that stuff technical guy here, but uh, you'll be able to view that information for yourself here and just kind of get that cost analysis and understanding of how this works from a workspace's core side of the house. Now, one of the other things to note too, and I, and I know it, it's, it's all related to the partner, the, the system or the software integrator to really step up and utilize these APIs that you have for their solutions to make the best of their solution within this workspace's core environment. You've, you've, you've given them the capabilities, they've got to do it. Um, so around from a security standpoint, like you, you hit on earlier, I know uh, AWS is very secure conscious, but from a user's remote access standpoint, 
we can use those system integrator solutions or those software integrator solutions. Uh, is there anything within core side of the house that's there um, to allow for the remote access for users, the secure remote access? Um, yes. Yeah, so so uh, double click on that a little bit, John. So what, what do you mean there? Um, so when the users are connecting, um, for example, there's some networking equipment you can use with one partner that gives you a secure SSL connection into the user's desktop. Um, you're encrypting everything on that user's connection. If I'm using another third-party solution within Workspace's core, let me think about this a second. Is there anything from the AWS side that I could utilize beyond a system or software integrator solution to allow my users to access these remotely and remotely within a secure connection? You know what, that would be up to the partner to take advantage of that if you think about that. But if that partner isn't secure, that partner is probably not going to be a mm -hmm. workspace's core. Um, so these are public APIs, but what you'll find out there is what we call allow listed. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and EC2 has several of these as well. It's, it, it's, it's common. If you call this API, it's going to say you really need to be approved. And that's part of because we have bring your own license for the uh, OS. So you, you, you can't just call these APIs without bringing your own license and it, 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 it protects the customer from getting frustrated or the partner from, um, you know, uh, stepping on their own foot. So um, you will go through, um, you know, a, a, a checklist to make sure that you are, uh, you know, certified to be a partner. After that, you can take advantage of any AWS API that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> let me think about this. The so from a workspaces, let's just say I'm implementing workspaces today. Uh, I provide that completely solely instances. We're not utilizing core, but I, I have that up and running for my organization. And I want to allow users remote access to the environment. It, how, how is that done from a workspaces approach today? So the, for, from a workspaces approach, it's pretty much an easy button. You go into our console, you assign a user, you, they get an email uh, inviting them into the workspaces, and then they get directions on how to download the client. At mm -hmm. that point in our console, you can learn about the health of that. And we also have other ways to determine if you're up and running. Of course, we have to you know, calculate your time and usage mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, if you are a partner, you can choose to use as much of that or as little out of as possible. So let's say you said, I don't, I know the health better than you do uh, at Workspace's core. I'll handle all that health. Then you wouldn't go to our console to get that. Let's say you did not want the user, your partner, you're building a core solution now and you your goal is to not need um, Workspace's core except for the essentials. You're always going to have to create account there and all of this. We have a, a concept called assume role. And so you will go in there. And if as a partner, if you're using this assume role, then you're able to do things on behalf of the customer. And that also lets us know on our side so we can support you what you're doing in there. For example, if we if you you didn't do that, 
you might look like a unhealthy workspace for mm -hmm. us. And if the end user called out, we'd be going, uh, um, that's unhealthy. We can't seem to connect to our client. And, you know, we'd get all, we'd get it all wrapped around the axle on that. So we don't want that to happen. That's why we work closely with the partners to make sure they take those steps. But after that, they can go and use, you know, as many uh, or as few additional AWS APIs that they, they want to. Gotcha. Yeah, I just was uh, trying to make sure that, and, and you've, you've hit the point, you know, you've got the workspaces side of the house and then it's up to that software integrator to handle how they're going to do those secure connections on their solution on the core platform. Exactly, exactly. Um, so with that, is there just some last minute thoughts or, or some uh, last minute impressions you'd like to, to leave with us and our listeners? Yeah, I want to hear what's Integra been up to? As you know, I was uh, uh, working very closely with you um, back all the way up until 2018 um, before we were rudely interrupted. And um, why, don't you, uh, why don't you bring us up to speed? That's, been, that's a long time. Um, tell us about it's Zentegra. Yeah, it's Zentegra. Um, like I alluded to earlier, <clears throat> sorry. Our focus is in the digital workspace, the desktop or the, the digital transformation for our customers and, and working with all of those peripheral solutions on the edge, uh, as well as those EUC solutions that are tied in there in the middle. Um, from an AWS standpoint, you know, we've, we've worked very hard uh, to become a part of the APN uh, in offering those solutions from an AWS platform, which is another tool in our, our Swiss Army blade of offering these solutions to our users. Now, the other thing I like too is the fact, like I, I said earlier, you're taking an agnostic approach, which I definitely like about this. We're just going to make sure from our standpoint at Zintegra that we're going to help lift that load to get these other software um, solutions into this platform because there is a great value add to this for our customers. Um, you know, we're, we're dealing with the public cloud. We're dealing with our own Zentegra Connect, our own cloud hosting environment, uh, multiple data centers doing that, our own managed services as well. Um, we do see some integration here that we would like to see in the future. And yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting time. I know my focus right now has been public cloud. Um, specifically around the AWS side of the house, but getting our engineers, getting our salespeople and getting our community aware that public cloud is out there because of like this workspace's core solution, there are options out there for these users and these customers to provide VDI in the cloud. I think more so today than we would joke about way, way back in the day in the old Bry forums and everything about you can cloud this, you can cloud that. And nobody really didn't understand what it was. And, you know, moving up to the cloud, um, and I think Brian and I mentioned this before, you know, another key term that's tossed out is bursting. You know, that really doesn't fit within an infrastructure side of the house. But I do see this from the core side, the hourly building and the monthly building, it, it allows customers to understand their users better. Um, that's one of the things that I bring up with my customers. Understand your use cases, 
understand what those users are doing, why they're doing it. And that helps you to define better on the services that you do. And that's, that's not just me. That's the, the entire team at Zentegra bringing these offerings to our customers that are out there. So we had a lot of joint customers together back when I was at that other yes. company, FS Logics. And the one thing I remember is they're all super loyal, happy Zentegra customers that were FS Logics customers. Um, and that is uh, quite the reflection on, on you and the rest of the Zentegra team. But um, uh, one thing I will say is, you know, part of the reason we built workspaces all those years ago is because, and we get all our ideas from customers, you know, maybe 90, 95% are because customers said we'd like this. Mm -hmm. What they were telling us is we tried to back in the Bry Forum days, we tried <laughs> to lift and shift ourselves to the cloud for VDI because it makes so much sense. And we got it up and running and then we went broke. What are we doing wrong? Can you help us? You know, and nothing more frustrating than succeeding and it, it for everything except cost. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's why we built workspaces in the first place. Um, like to call it a big easy button for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you take in some of those soft costs like management, or you take in some of those actual costs like dedicated instances and, and, and workspaces deserves um, for you to take a look at. And now if you have an existing VDI vendor and you want to not retrain your end users with a new client, or you want to not retrain your administrators, now you get both best of both worlds. Yep, agree completely. Brian, you have anything to add? Yeah, just in closing, you know, I'd say a, a couple episodes ago, we, we talked about storage and, and we talked about all the different types of AWS storage. And certainly there's no one size fits all approach, right? So mm -hmm. from uh, just take a managed files system uh, perspective, we had lots of customers telling us that they, they see the value of a managed uh, file system for their Linux workloads with the Elastic file system. And they saw the benefits of a managed Windows file system with FSx for Windows, but they were really, really loving what they could do in an on-prem environment with, NetX, with NetApp's ONTAP system. Mm -hmm. And so a year ago, or a little bit over a year ago, we brought NetApp FSX for ONTAP into AWS and we run that um, as a managed NetApp file system in the cloud. We're listening to customers exactly like Kevin said, who are telling us they see the value in bringing so many things to AWS, but there are tools from our partners that they just really can't live without. And for good reason, these are really high quality tools. So I love the idea that we're opening up the workspace platform to allow people to bring their own VDI management system into what we're doing so that they're shifting more and more of this undifferentiated heavy lifting. Like I talked to so many customers, what would you be able to reinvest in your business if you could just get out of the blinking lights business, right? If so much time and attention is devoted to the care and feeding of physical machines, that's a core competency of Amazon and AWS. And we really want our customers and partners to be focused on what brings them value, not what causes them headaches. So let us take care of that kind of stuff. 
bring your existing tools. As Kevin said earlier, don't worry about retraining your people um, and take advantage of what the cloud has with the tools that you're already using. So this is another perfect example of that. And I know in future episodes, we're going to get into many more examples of yeah. things just like that. Oh, definitely. And then Kevin, I, I'm just, being who you are, I want to give you the last put here, and then we'll, we'll close it out. If you have anything to add. What does that even mean? I'm just a, you know, a humble merchant uh, with selling wares. And then, and then I, I don't know what lucky star I was under, but I ran into the workspaces group and, and Manir and all that team. And I found a home. It's just been fantastic. And in all those other companies uh, we had, we didn't really call it a tenant. We didn't really, you know, say it was a leadership principle, but everybody who worked for me knew we would earn the customer's money before you went out and chase new money. I didn't have to be in a meeting when sales said, hey, we need this feature or I won't close this deal. And they conflicted with, we need to fix this bug or this customer. They already knew what the answer was gonna be. So don't even ask, let's concentrate on that. And then I walk into a AWS and the EUC team, and the leadership principles are just like markers in my life. They all make so much sense. You know, customer obsession, invent and simplify, you know, think big, all of these things. And they all tie in with each other. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know this, who I am stuff is, but I am, I'm very happy to be a, um, you know, a, a cog in this workspaces EUC team because it is just a joy to work here. Well, that's well put. Thanks, Kevin. And I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, Brian, as always. Um, you know, definitely, like I said, the links that we discussed, they'll be in the uh, description when I post this out there. And uh, look forward to future episodes. Like uh, Brian said, we'll get in deeper into some other things. Um, but again, thank you so much, Kevin. And thanks, Brian, for being here with us today. I see you and see everyone on this podcast at reInvent, I hope. Yes, yes, definitely. All Thanks, right. everybody. Thanks, John.